Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. How many experienced God this morning? Boy, I'll tell you. Something's happening. Something is stirring, guys. Something is stirring. And my message for you today is, uh, I'm going to bring this forward. My message, <clears throat> I might need some water, so that would be great. Uh, I'm not tearing up. I just got something in my throat. Uh, but I want to give you one of the most important messages that you can learn uh, in, in the body of Christ. One of the most important things I can share with you and teach you how to stay victorious. You know, oftentimes there's, they say there's four stages in life. There's the survival mode. There's stability mode. Then you get into success mode, and once you get into success mode, then you can enter into significance mode. This is where some of us are successful, but we're not doing exactly what God called us to do and becoming significant. Some of you are just coming out of survival mode, and you're getting stable, and we need to continue to move forward. But one of the things that will get you into stability is learning how to daily handle the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to train you today what that means when we talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the most powerful topic I can talk about. I write songs about the blood. I'm a worship guy. I sing, when I start singing about the blood, I can mess up every key, not even tune my guitar. The drummer can fall onto the drums. The keyboardist can, can miss every note that's on the thing, and you sing about the blood, and the presence of God just falls, right? There's something about the blood of Jesus Christ and the church has become a bloodless entity. We're afraid to talk about the blood. And that's, and that's the most powerful tool that we can have. And I want to teach you today that it's, it's rudimentary. It's primary. It's central to what we do and what we believe. And God has established his, the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, as the most powerful force that when we understand it, and recognize it. Our diseases are healed. Our sins are forgiven. Demons flee. Strongholds crumble. Curses are broken through the blood of Jesus Christ. How do you and I handle the blood of Jesus Christ? And from the very beginning of the Bible, it begins to speak about the power and the importance of the blood. And when we begin today, I want to start with Leviticus 17.11. It says, for the life of a creature is in the blood. And it is the blood that it makes atonement for one's life. So when we talk about the blood of Jesus, it's literally saying that the life is in the blood. When Jesus' blood was poured out, that means that his life was poured out. And he poured his life out, his blood out for you and I so that we could have eternal life. Jesus Christ came, and when we talk about the blood, he says, this is the new covenant. This is my blood. This is my blood. This is my blood. You understand what Jesus did to bring you into covenant? You know, he didn't just get a, a blood transfusion, my friend. His blood was torn out of his body for us, and that's how much he loves us, and that's what shows our worth. 
And when we declare the blood of Jesus, you're irritating the devil. How about you? I'll tell you, the devil's got a picture of me on his war room right now. And they're scheming like, what are we going to do about this guy? He keeps talking about the blood. Every time he talks about the blood, our plans get kaput. We can't overcome this guy. What's he doing? It's the blood. We're helpless. He's pitiful. Lucy is pitiful. Come on. Lucifer. Lucifer's not God's opponent. He's my opponent. You hear me on that? Lucifer's not God's opponent. He's yours. People think like Jesus and the devil are arm wrestling. Jesus conquered him a long time ago. Now it's our turn. It's our turn. We need to stop looking at Lucifer like he's some omnipotent, powerful being and recognize you're my opponent, and my opponent, and I'm taking you down. You see someone that's demonized? Mm, you got to get a little bit angry. I was in Cambodia. I started doing a serious in this little hut out in the middle of nowhere, and this girl started manifesting and demons. She started just going on the floor, and they said, this happens every time we start to worship. I said, that's not God. Her eyes began to roll on her back. I began to hear more about her story as a little girl being sexually abused in the Tibetan temple. It was disgusting. And I just declared over her, I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, there's anger that rises up. I said, you get out of her right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And suddenly, everything, she just started, she just got calm again. And by the next day that we were there, this girl was worshiping and singing and leading people in worship. I, mean, I was like, well, okay, just let's go for it. But I'm telling you, we have authority over the devil because we have the blood of Jesus Christ. And you and I need to learn how to handle that blood. Say the blood of Jesus. And I tell you, that should be on your lips continually. The blood of Jesus Christ. That's what cleanses you, makes you whole, sets you free. I love the blood of Jesus. I want to just start today. If you, uh, It's fascinating how red, when we look at even the color of a rainbow, the colors of the rainbow, Roy G. Biv, if you don't remember, some of you got that. But red is the first color. And the color of blood is red, of course, when it's full with oxygen. But there's a principle when we study the Bible that red is actually the first color a child can see. Red is the name of the first man in the Bible. Adam. Adam means red. You understand how there's secrets in the Bible you begin to discover God wants you to always begin with the red. He wants you to begin with the blood. It's rudimentary. That's where you hear the word rudimentary. That comes from the word red. All right? I mean, it's the basic principles. If we get and understand the basic principles of the blood, this is what we build our foundation on. But if we don't build with the right foundation, our building will fall. But my life is built on nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ is my foundation. That's what I begin on. When I pray, I'm not thinking all the good things I've done. I'm thinking about all the good things that Jesus has done for me. Come on, that makes it a lot easier. Because the blood of Jesus is our first priority. The blood of Jesus. It is what we uh, pursue. And when we look in the, the Bible... It's interesting, Genesis 4.10. Did you know that blood 
actually speaks. The blood speaks. It, it cries out for the ground. If we look at this in Genesis 4.10, it's, it's a very interesting concept. But it says this, that the Lord said to um, Cain, He said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to the ground. The blood speaks from the ground. How many, how many knew that the blood actually speaks? You can do whatever you want, honey. Hey, we're so good here. If anyone's cold here, we can make it hotter for you. If you're too hot, we can make it colder for you. We're just that good. We have private air conditioning here. So, How many know red is the color that attracts attention? Right? Red is a color that's it's one of the most primitive colors. If you look at a lifeguard, you know, lifeguards, they wear red, right? Why? Because they, they, in a time of danger, you want to be able to see the lifeguard. And so red is a color that most attracts attention. Red is also commonly worn by lifeguards and others whose job requires them to be easily found. And this is why I believe that red needs to be something that we see first. It sticks out. It draws our attention. When we look into the Bible, I want to talk about three things today. I want to first talk about cleaned hands. And when we talk about the blood, um, since red is the color of blood, it has historically been associated with sacrifice, danger, and courage. How many know most flags, most national flags have the color red in them? Because they speak about courage and sacrifice and dangers that people had gone through to, to bring our freedom. And think about that. That's what Jesus did for us. He's, he went. He sacrificed. He he went through such um, suffering and pain so that we could come into His kingdom and into His nation. But when we approach God, we've got to approach Him with cleaned hands. And you can go ahead and fill that in on your worksheet. Psalm twenty-four three says, "Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in His holy place?" He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. And this morning I want to focus on what makes our hands clean. What brings us into that place of cleanliness? And there's a danger that happens, especially in the church, is that we begin to think that if we don't commit certain sins, that we're clean. Well, I don't drink, and I don't smoke, and I don't run around. Well, neither does your goldfish, okay? I hope not. Or your donkey or your dog. You understand what I'm saying? We began to talk about sins of commission. I'm not committed any wrong things. Come on, am I with you this morning? And, and, and when you're in church, you're thinking like, well, I didn't do this, didn't do this, didn't do this. And I want to just... Knock over your apple cart this morning. You're not going to be saying amen, amen as much as ouch this morning. Okay? Because we need to be challenged. You didn't come here to Gateway just to get your ears tickled. We don't have time for it. Because if I'm coming before God and I'm not clean, you understand what I'm saying? If I'm not clean, I want to know what it takes to get clean. And there are times, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, when you go to get your, you know, the, the DMV or the BMBW or whatever it's called, the BMV, did I get it? It, what happens is, is if you don't have the right forms, they don't give you, I may have experienced that before. 
It's like you go in there and you're coming back like 10 times. Oh, you didn't sign. You didn't put the, the eye on that. Oh, I can't read that. Oh, I'm going to kill. Bless you. Thank you. You know? We, wanna, we wanted you to be successful when you come before God. That you go in and you get what you need. And if I'm going in and I think my hands are clean, but I realize my hands aren't clean because I've been focusing on the sins I have not been committing instead of the sins that I've actually been, they call these the sins of omission. This is why I believe when they asked Jesus, they said, how come, uh, you know, he said "Only only God is good, only him alone is good. It's because when we're on this planet, there's always things that we're not going to be able to do because we're one person. But there are things that God has called us to do, not just not to do. And we have to, we have to begin to let the Word of God pressure us and break us to the place where we say, God, I need to be doing these things that you've called me to do. I need to have that heart of compassion. I need to be challenged. And whenever we're confronted with something that needs to be done, something that needs to be stood up against, we can't cower back. We can't commit these sins of omission. Are you guys with me this morning? And what happens is these things come as we break in prayer. Say, Lord, change my heart. Lord, give me a heart of compassion and then direct me for what I need to do. Because you're not going to be able to do everything. Everyone has their gift and talent. But we also have to get recalibrated for what God wants us to do in this season. And it's going to be challenging. Because we're called to be an army. And when you're in the army, it's not easy. And there's bloodshed. And it gets ugly. And people begin to hate you and shoot at you. But that's war. And that's the season we're in. And are you a fighter? I'm a fighter. Are you a fighter? We have to fight. We have to push back. We have to do our part. And we can't be silent in this time. And if we come before God and we think our hands are clean because we haven't done any no-nos, and God may say it's not about the no-nos, it's about the do-dos. Not just talking to you about what you didn't do, what did you do? And you understand the whole process, guys. If we don't step into our destiny, we're going to be thwarted. If we don't do what we're called to do, We're going to do the things we shouldn't ought to be doing anyway. So we have to be so driven. I am doing what God called me to do. And I will not stop. Because if I don't do it, it's not that I just get to heaven. Because that's not the goal here, friend. The goal is to bring heaven to earth. And it's about fulfilling the call of God on your life. And when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, that other stuff doesn't matter. But if you're not walking in your plan and your destiny, my friend, you're going to be walking in ungodliness. It's guaranteed. Am I putting the fear of God in you today? I don't know. I'm just trying to, make, I'm just trying to tell you how important it is that we latch on to what we need to do or we'll end up doing the things that we ought not to do. So when we look at the Bible, uh, we're going to talk about Ezekiel for a few minutes. My message isn't going to be real long, but I want to talk about stained hands. What stains our hands? Sometimes we think, if you think you're clean, you know, I know that stuff kills 99.9% of the germs, right? They always tell you that. But I would tell you, there are things that stain our hands that we might not be aware of. 
And we need to come to God with clean hands and a pure heart. And so I want to make you aware of some of these things that might be staining your hands that you haven't realized. And I want to talk about the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a crazy prophet. If you get around prophets, they just do crazy stuff all the time. We have a lot of prophetic people here. So if you see crazy stuff, they're probably prophetic, okay? They just do weird stuff. Ezekiel, he was cooking his food over manure. That's weird, okay? Isaiah walked around naked prophesying, okay? That's kind of weird, all right? You guys with me so far? It's strange. They do strange things sometimes. Keep your clothes on, though, please. Anyway, um, so Ezekiel means God is my strength. How many know we need to be strong in this season? And Ezekiel was prophesying about the same time that Jeremiah was prophesying. The difference is that Jeremiah was actually in Jerusalem, but Ezekiel had been taken captive to Babylon. So Jeremiah is prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem. He's in Jerusalem. Ezekiel is prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem, but he's in Babylon speaking to captive people. Does that make sense? So they're in the same time period, just in different locations. And Ezekiel is prophesying about what is going to happen. He says this in Ezekiel 3.17, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. That's the prophetic call. It's to be a watchman. I think I have a picture of a watchman up here. I think I do. What happens when you and I are called to be watchmen? We have a higher place on the wall, and we are looking out, and we can see danger coming. And so the watchman on the wall has the call to sound the trumpet when he sees an army coming in the distance. That's his job. He's not up there playing uh, Angry Birds messing around, sleeping, but he's on the wall. And you and I are called to be a prophetic voice in this time, to speak to those things that need to be spoken to because there's people inside the city who don't have our perspective. They're not standing on the wall. And when we're standing on the wall, they're cooking their chickens and cleaning their clothes and they don't know what we see. And we have a responsibility to warn them. Not only to warn them what's happening in our nation, to warn them what's happening in their spiritual life. Yesterday we did an outreach. We're spending time just going out, praying God send us somewhere to meet someone. Got prophetic word, go to Glen Miller, Glen Miller Park. Couldn't find anybody because it was raining. Creeped up on this car. Four people in the car. We, we, were, they were, we were able to lead three of them to recommit their lives to Christ. And again, because their salvation is a priority in God's heart. And we need to see that, understand that. They may not see that the enemy's coming to destroy them. I've seen the enemy's going to get you if you don't get under the covering of the blood of Jesus. Am I making any sense this morning? It's a season where we must fear the criticism of God more than the criticism of man. I'll tell people, you may not like what I say, and you may stop talking to me, but 
if I don't tell you what God's told me, then he's going to stop talking to me. And I don't like, I don't want Jesus to stop talking to me. I may think that's a bad day right there. All right? I do it with a smile. But there was a German pastor by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and he was a theologian known for his opposition to the Nazi party. His ties uh, to what happened was, is he conspired to kill Hitler. And as a pastor, how many know killing people, that can kind of stretch your theology a little bit. But he knew that evil had to be destroyed. He knew that he had to do something and push back. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer lost his life because he stood up against the Nazi regime. And he actually died 13 days prior to Germany being taken over. But can I tell you what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said as a German, as a pastor, as a Christian in his country, as he watched his country be torn apart by ideologies that were evil? He said this. He said, silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak, and not to act is to act. He paid for those words with his blood. And we as well must risk everything. I tell congressmen and leaders, I tell them, if you're not afraid to, if you're more concerned about losing your job than losing your country, step down. And we have to be the same dedicated people that Dietrich Bonhoeffer was. Because we are being warned right now. Ezekiel 33, 6 says this. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hands. That's a warning, my friend, that if we are silent, we are speaking. If we are not acting, we are acting. And we have to be a voice. Dietrich Bonhoeffer died April 9th, 1945. And friends, it's time that we become courageous, bold Christians. And we are no longer afraid. We're no longer cowards. But we're stepping up to the plate and speaking what needs to be spoken. Because what the Bible tells us is that our hands will be stained with blood if we're silent in this season. And God says that who can approach me only those with clean hands and a pure heart. And many of you may not realize, but your hands are stained with blood because you've been silent instead of speaking. You see, there's a cost right now to our voice. There's a cost. And the Bible says, because of the increase of lawlessness, that the hearts of most will grow cold. And we have to recognize that's what's happening in our society is there's so much lawlessness that we have to be a bold voice. We have to act. We use wisdom, but we cannot be silent. We have to be pushing forward. We have to be praying forward. We have to be standing up when God calls us to stand. We have to use wisdom in this season. He says this, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, being a Christian is less about being cautiously avoiding sins but it's more about courageously and actively doing God's will. 
So you, you understand the difference where a, a lot of times in church, we focus so much on what you shouldn't be doing. And when we're focused on the things that we shouldn't be doing, we're not focusing on the things that we ought to be doing. And if we're doing the things that we ought to be doing, we don't have time for the things that we shouldn't be doing. Amen? And so we, we reshift our focus. And it is important we recognize that we need to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And it's even in the very little things. Because we cannot be Christians living in the flesh. We've got to be living by the Spirit. And this even comes down to some of the responses we have to our spouses. We can choose the flesh or the Spirit, right? Okay, I'm going to operate in the Spirit today. I'm not going to respond. You see, or something goes wrong at work, and you want to respond in the flesh, but you choose to respond in the Spirit. You see, every little decision that you decide to move in the Spirit, the Lord rewards you. And when we say, Lord, I'm going to operate in the Spirit, God will bless your ministry, bless your life in such a mighty way. It's the little things that matter. And when we stop and say, nope, operating in the Spirit. Nope, operating in the Spirit. My wife just said something. Nope, operating in the Spirit. Of course, I'm speaking about other marriages. Me and my wife don't fight. We just have intense fellowship. I want to clarify that. Just intense fellowship. Right, honey? That's the story. So, and we're sticking to it. We also look at the, the evil of abortion in our society. Friends, in our land right now, there's been over 60 million abortions in America. But there's a lot more than that because most of them are not even documented. We talked about the blood that cries out for the ground. There's, there's innocent blood that's being shed in our nation. There is judgment that's coming because of the shedding of innocent blood. The reason we're in the mess we are in today is because of abortion. Because the blood of the innocent is crying out for the ground. We must make a stand against abortion. We must. We can't compromise. We can't pat ourselves on the back because some Republican legislator passed a bill where they have to look at an image before they can kill the baby. That's, that's not victory. We need to abolish abortion in our land. 100%. It needs to be abolished. It's evil. It's murder. 100% of the time. Be like a murderer saying, well, you got to look at this picture before you kill them for 24 hours. I mean, that's helpful, but that's not enough. You understand? You're still, we're, we're, our nation is being judged because of the innocent blood that's being shed. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For the, in the image of God has God made man. When the shedding of blood happens, the innocent blood of a baby in the mother's womb, the safest place should be the safest place in the world. My friend, we have to take this to heart and realize the judgment that's going on in our nation right now and the blindness. How many notice the blindness that's over people's hearts and minds? It's because of the shedding of innocent blood. We need to pray, God, open our eyes. Give us that deep conviction that it's not our goal just to, well, we want to reduce the number of abortions. Friend, that's, be like, that's not enough, okay? We have to abolish abortion in our land. It's wicked. It's evil. The Supreme Court can say what they want. 
It's still illegal in America to have an abortion. Did you know that? There's been no legislation. Legislators make laws. There's not been one law passed that it makes it legal. The Supreme Court passed a little judgment, but that the little judgment, but it's Roe versus Wade. But they don't have the right to make laws. It's still illegal in America. Church needs to speak up. So we need to have trained hands, clean hands. We need to get our stained hands unclean. Psalm 144.1 said, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He's training us. And what's he telling us to use? The blood of Jesus Christ, his son. And I want to share with some, something with you that's so powerful, that's so life-changing. It's my prayer that you're going to learn how to use the blood of Jesus and apply it on a daily basis to the areas of life, to your family. You see, the very first, remember, we're always talking about the firsts. The first man was named Adam, and his name meant red. Rudimentary. It's all about the beginning stages. The first color a child sees is red. And the first festival that the Jewish people were called to celebrate was the Passover. And the Passover meal was the time. It talks about this in Exodus 12, 7. We remember the story about the Jews that are being captive in Egypt, and God is about to release them. And he tells all the Israelites, take the blood of an innocent lamb, shed its blood, and put its blood on the, on the doorpost of your house and over the threshold. That's what we're called to do over our households. Father, the blood of Jesus over my wife today, the blood of Jesus over my household, the blood of Jesus over my family, the blood of Jesus over my wayward son. I declare the blood of Jesus over them today. Hell shakes when you apply the blood of Jesus. Hell is shaking because your pastor's talking about the blood of Jesus. He doesn't want this message out. He wants a bloodless church. A church that doesn't understand the blood. Churches that want to sing about the blood because people aren't comfortable with it. Well, guess what? I'm not about being comfortable. I'm about being victorious. Come on. And that's what happens when we apply the blood of Jesus Christ. How can one put a 1,000 to flight and two chase 10,000? Blood of Jesus. <laughs> right? Because that's our very foundation. We're unshaken. That is our foundation, the blood of Jesus. That's what makes us saved. That's what heals us. That's what brings us into God's presence. It's not by my works, my good looks, my actions, my accomplishments. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. When I go before the Father, he sees the blood, and he says, come on in. And the first festival, this is fascinating. How many of you guys have been to our Passover meal? Here, it's, it's fascinating, just fascinating. You begin to see and study the Passover meal and the power of the blood, the forgiveness that's in the blood. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Uh, it's interesting. I've been to China a number of times. The Chinese New Year. I have a picture. I think I have a picture of that up there. Because I was, I was in China during their New Year season, and in China they have a door and this is what they this is how their new year begins. Now, many of you may not realize you can you can read some history on the Chinese people, but they have a very um, biblical culture when you study past the communism 
uh, you go earlier, their culture is actually has a lot of biblical metaphors that Chinese people are coming to Christ because they see the metaphors in their language and in their culture. And when I was go, I was like, Chinese New Year, that looks like Passover to me, man. That's amazing, the blood on the door to keep the demons out. But I'm going to tell you that there is more to this than you, than you ever realized. There's, there's more revelation to this. As I began to study this and teach this over the years, I'm like, oh, God, it's so much about the blood. It, it begins with the blood. Passover is the only time in the Bible that it required the father of the household to handle his own blood sacrifice. And this is a forbidden act throughout the rest of the Bible. Like if you, you got in big trouble, if you were trying to offer sacrifices, instead of the priest being able to do it, you got in big trouble. But on Passover, it's required that every household, the man of the household steps up and he's got to learn how to use the blood. He's got to be the one that applies the blood to his household because you and I have to learn how to handle the blood. We have to learn personally, it's my responsibility. My first celebration of God is learning how to handle the blood of an innocent lamb and apply it to my own household. First priority. That's your first priority. That's why the Jewish people celebrated it year after year after year. How many know when you're doing your celebrations, your kids are always asking, Dad, why are we doing this? Why do we do that? Dad, why are you doing that? Every year the kid's hearing over and over the same story. Because when we were in bondage, Pharaoh tormented us, made us slaves, took our families, beat us, killed us. But one day, Yahweh told us to put the blood of an, a lamb, an innocent lamb, that we have experienced and brought into our home. And we've loved this lamb for four days. And at, but at the fourth day, we have to take the blood of this lamb. And Yahweh told us we got to put his blood on the doorpost of our house so that when the angel of death goes through, it'll pass over our house. And so that we can be free. And we no longer have to be in bondage. And they heard that story every year of their life. Is that impacting? Wouldn't it be great if we as the church began to teach these principles to our kids instead of bunny rabbits and eggs? Right? I mean, you can do both, but I'm just going to tell you. Let's focus on Passover. It's about Easter's about a lamb, not about not a rabbit. Amen. But I'm not talking about this today. But I'm going to tell you, there's so much more to the Passover than you've realized. Because most of us have been told, we put the blood on our doorpost, the devil can't come in. Hallelujah. That's a good, that's a good preach. I could preach that. But let me read you this scripture. It'll blow your mind a little bit today. It says, when the Lord goes through, it says Exodus 12, 23, when the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the door frames and will pass over the doorway. You see, there's a difference here. When God sees the blood, when Yahweh sees the blood, it says that he's going to cross over, step into your household. He's going to step over 
the threshold, he's coming into your house, and he says, there's no devil coming in here. You understand the difference? It's the blood of the lamb that invites Yahweh into your house. So you get Yahweh on the inside so that the devil can't come in. Why? Because he sees the blood and he sees Yahweh standing there. That's what it means to have God inside of you, his spirit inside of you, that God reigns and lives inside of his people. And it's the blood that invites him into our lives. Shabbat. That's good. Everybody say Shabbat. I don't know what that means, but I just said it. So he says that in um, Exodus. He will pass over the doorway. Yahweh will pass over the doorway. He will cross your threshold, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. That's what the blood of Jesus invites God to live inside of you. So if people want to know the Father, they have to go through the Son. And this is uncompromised. The name of Jesus is so vital and so important that if we're holding back on telling people that you need Jesus, you need his blood, you need his forgiveness, we're not being the watchmen that God called us to be. You can't be ever be good enough to get into heaven. Jesus was good enough. You need his blood to get you over there. Now, let me give you one more point. I'm going to be done. Are you guys okay? All right? I heard bells. All right? I just heard bells. But here we go. You got, this is so powerful. Okay? So, oftentimes, we in the church, come on, we're church people. We're talking about applying the blood. We want to, it would be like this. Let me give you this example. Let's say that you're in a courtroom and they've, they, they have two people there, and they're trying to figure out which one did, did the evil thing. And the one guy, he's like guilty of sin. They have all his text messages. You know, he's, he's, they found the, the bloody towel, everything. Like, he's guilty of sin. And then the other person, and I know they'll do this in courtroom, but they just, they just see, like, there's, he wasn't even there. He's completely innocent. Your Honor, this person is completely innocent. And the judge goes, boom, okay, that's done. And they take the innocent guy, and and they lock him up, and they let the guilty guy go away. You're like, what? What just happened here? Like, this guy was just condemned as guilty, guilty of sin, caught red-handed. Notice all these terms I'm using, right? And he goes away free, and the innocent one here, you're locking him up and throwing him in jail, and you're going to put him in the death chair. Come on. This is exactly what happens on Passover. It's, it's hard to even imagine. But I want to let you know that as, as a Christian, we, we have to recognize that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And we're told in 1 John 1, 7 and 9, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now notice that if we have fellowship, it allows the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. We often realize our inadequacies and our own sin 
when we're in fellowship. And this is where the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Everybody say, all sin. He goes on to say, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. How many know there's people out there? I am, I don't, that's not sin. What psychologists are doing today is they're telling people, oh, well, I, I know that, that you, know, you stole this, but that's not really sin. Or you, you know, sexually abused that person, but that's not really sin. They're just undermining what sin is, that they'll be relieved of their guilt. And then I say, well, I felt better. Yeah, but you were lied to, and your hands are unclean. What happens is, is the Bible says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we say, I have no sin, then what we're happening is we're walking in deception. And we as Christians need to call it out. Like, no, that's, that's an offense to God. That's abominable to God. That's wrong. And all of us can identify as sinners at one time, right? And when we commit sin, we go to God, we get forgiveness. But on Passover, what happens is... It's backwards. Usually the one who is guilty is the one that's put to death, and the innocent one is set free. But on Passover, the innocent one is put to death, and the guilty ones get to go free. So you and I, Passover is the one day of the year that we rejoice that we have sinned. Because it's the one innocent one that has been sacrificed for all of us so that all of us who are the, we got any blemished lambs in the house this morning? A couple of you, right? We're all blemished. But because we're blemished, we're like, you're not, you're going to go free today because we're only sacrificing the ones that are perfect. On Passover, the one who is without blemish is the one who will be sacrificed. But the one who is with blemish will be set free. Rome, uh, Revelations 12, 11, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not live their, love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Let's stand together. How many are grateful for the blood of Jesus this morning? As I close this morning, I want to... Remember, let you remember, we began today talking about the blood of Jesus, the blood of Abel crying out from the ground, and the blood of Jesus is also crying out from the ground. And anyone on Facebook today or in this room today, if you've never put your trust in that blood, you see, the blood of Abel cried out judgment and revenge, but the blood of Jesus, the Bible tells us, that you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. When Abel's blood cried out from the ground, it cried judgment and revenge. When Jesus poured out his blood, it spoke mercy and forgiveness. Now is the time to hear the blood and the better word that it speaks. We're going to take a moment and sing.
about the blood. And I want to just invite you, if, you're, if you want to stay and just thank Jesus for the blood this morning and celebrate that, you're welcome to stay. But this morning, if you are not under the blood this morning, today is the day. You may say, Pastor, I, I know I'm blemished. Absolutely. None of us is without sin. But because you are blemished, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, will be sacrificed on your behalf. And it's his blood that delivers you, that sets you free, and that invites Yahweh, invites God himself to live inside of you. And this morning, Father, we thank you for that precious blood that was shed for us. Thank you for the freedom that it brings. Thank you that as we apply the blood, and I say yes this morning, I receive today the blood of Jesus. I apply it to my life and to my household and to my children. I thank you that it's through this blood that I'm saved, that I cannot boast in my works or anything else, but it's through this blood that I'm saved. And the Bible says that you, if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved through this blood. If you've never made that commitment before, this morning, I want you to come forward and say, yes, today, Lord, I put my trust in that blood that you shed for me by sending your son. I put my trust in that blood and nothing else. And I thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the blood. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives today, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.